Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. I'm James Anderson, one of your other hosts, the only other one. It's me. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, or day by day, until the end of time. That it is, James. And we've got a doozy for you this time. Oof. Um, I'm going to hop right into it because this one is a little long. Yep. Uh, so... Uh, if if we're all ready, if everybody has their snacks ready to go, if everyone's, you know, watch the clip, uh, let's get into it. This is Agent Carter, Season 2, Episode 8, starting at 35 minutes and 5 seconds and going until the end of the episode, and then continuing from Agent Carter, Season 2, Episode 9, starting at 58 seconds, you know, after the recap, and going until 21 minutes and 44 seconds. And a 5, 6, 7, 8, it's go time! Carter and Jarvis are in the front car and Samberly and Thompson, nope, and Samberly, Thompson, and Sousa are in the moving truck behind. Double ands is weird. Yep. Sousa warns them that Jack estimates that the others have a 90-minute head start against them. Carter checks in on Jarvis, who is not his usual cheerful self. He claims he is fine, but we know better. Further down the road, Frost looks through her binoculars at the bomb, waiting to drop its nuclear payload. Frost and Wilkes then get in their vehicle and prepare to meet their enemies. Wilkes asks, what if it doesn't work? Frost assures him the rift will open. Uh, also, I've realized I've brought something out of order. Uh, that's not when they go to meet their enemy. It's when they're getting ready to go to the bomb site. Sorry. Uh, right. Frost assures him that the rift will open. Zero matter will pour out and you and I will absorb it. Wilkes shows remorse for holding a gun on Carter, who only wanted to help. But Frost doubles down and says it will work and he knows it because the voice in their head is telling them that it will. The SSR crew approaches, and they drop the bomb. There's a flash, and the dust rushes over the crowd, uh, which I think was fun because it's like a hush falls over. The, it, uh -huh. the dust rushes. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, also, for, for considering it's a nuclear bomb, there is like quite literally no nuclear uh, like blast in the yeah. immediate area, which is fascinating. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, so that happens. Uh, Jason and Whitney approach the rift in awe, also not irradiated, but when Jason comments on the voice from the other side, Whitney reveals that she can't hear it. Jason then begins to lift in the air and float towards the growing rift as Whitney cries out, begging for answers as to why she's not being awarded too. Jason is sucked into the rift, and Whitney screams to be taken. Further away, the SSR crew prepares to fire the gamma cannon. They ask Samberly if it will really work. When he gives mm -hmm. them a maybe, their reactions are less than accepting. He comments, you're asking me to judge what will happen when something I've never fired miraculously hits something I never knew existed. Carter nods and says, well, this is where we find out. Uh, for, this is one of those rare occasions, not rare, but it's like one of the common occasions where it's like, okay, Samberly is right, but there's definitely better ways to go about all of this. But in this particular case, I do feel like maybe Samberly didn't deserve it. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. I needed to save Accurate the Accurate scientist depiction. Yeah. <laughs> Jarvis wants to go after Frost, but Carter reminds him that they must seal the rift first and make it to make sure to stop the zero matter before they can go after Frost. Jarvis refuses this answer and goes after her. Char Carter chases after him, telling the boys to fire the cannon and stop the rift. She calls him over the walkie-talkie, but they are interrupted by the gamma cannon blasting through the sky and closing the rift. Frost cries out and rushes towards the crater to find Wilkes in it, with zero matter crawling around beneath his skin. Anna wakes up in the city just as Jarvis gets out of his car and immediately shoots Whitney Frost. Manfredi and his crew roll up and are about to plug our friends when Frost stands up, 
totally healed by the zero matter. They take them hostage. Suddenly, Peggy awakes in the SSR offices. Everything looks different, which is noted when she finds her brother Michael in the chief's office. Come now, Peggy. Black and white. She asks what he's doing there, and they begin to do that thing where they push back on each other about why she is where she ended up, why he offered her uh, up for the SOE job, and there's some closure between the two of them, as he states that he'd be right by her side if he could. Hmm. Scene change, the L&L Automat, and a jazzy little number. And oh my god, it's Angie. Hi, girl. Uh, They have their typical witty banter until Wilk shows up and then starts talking about you know, what's happening, and oh, maybe she wants in, which of course leads them to dancing. But the chatter and the scenery grows more chaotic until a spotlight. Daniel Sousa! Oh my god, he's from the rafters with a chair. No, sorry, it's not WWE, sorry. What actually happens is he tosses his crutch away, and wouldn't you know it, we've got a musical number, baby! Here are the full lyrics. You walk in a room, and nature takes its course. Are you joking? Conquers me by force. And with no remorse... (laughs) Baby, I assume that you always knew the recipe. It's simply me and you. Love leaves you blind, baby. You can read my mind. All that's been left unsaid. You know the score. What I've been waiting for. What you gonna do? It's up to you. Two hearts are waiting. Who you gonna choose? Stop debating. Who's it gonna be? Quit vacillating. What you gonna do? It's up to you. You can never fight the laws of attraction, that chemical reaction that got us in this mess. Still, I must confess, they're both a nice distraction. Now I clearly see it's up to me. That one was obviously Carter, by the way. Uh, Joy or disaster, who's the one that makes? Your heart beat faster, is it gonna be? Happily ever after. What you're gonna do, it's up to you. You got them lined up, who's it gonna be? Make up your mind, will you let us know? Which one you signed up? What you're gonna do, it's up to you. Time's up for flirting. When are you going to tell? The one that you're hurting. When will you decide who you're deserting? Ooh. What you going to do? What you going to do? What you going to do? It's up to... And so, by the way, uh, quick side note. The people that we see throughout this number are Daniel Sousa, Angie, Dottie, and Wilkes. I'm not sure if any of the backing singers and dancers are any repeats, but I'm sure that James they has are. that covered later. Uh, the, so that's perfect. Good little perfect time in there, James. Uh, The song ends with Jarvis telling her to wake up, followed by Rose telling her that she's not right for the Auerbach uh, theatrical company, and then absolutely socking her and literally knocking her back to reality. Peggy begins to get Jarvis and herself untied in the back of the truck. When Jarvis comes to, she chastises his actions with a hostility we have never seen her use towards him. In the desert, Samberly, Sousa, and Thompson are quickly approached by Vernon Masters' people. Thompson takes lead despite Sousa not trusting him. They pretend that Thompson is under arrest, and Vega and his partner then pull their guns and point them at Sousa and Samberly. Thompson says that they're there to kill the people who fired the gamma cannon. But then Thompson plays the good little master's follower and keeps them from being killed, saying that they're definitely going to, you know, need to be seen by Vernon Masters. Eventually, Vega is like, yeah, okay, fine, put him in the car. Jack punches Sousa as he gets up, to be put into the back of the car. Carter uses the hot wire, which is an amazing uh, invention name, to cut through the chain on the back of the truck, and the two of them jump out. Wilkes wakes up in the back of Manfredi's car and states that he isn't well. Uh, Manfredi agrees and states that his eyes look like two magic eight balls. Wilkes states that he went to the rift and it was nothing. There was nothing there. He needs to get out of the car, and that's when they find out that Carter and Jarvis are gone. 
Manfredi kills the truck driver and then says, I'm hot, I got sand in my shorts, and I want to go home. So they continue forward. Jarvis and Carter get into an absolutely heated battle of words. The tension between the two of them is dreadful. Eventually, after all of the heat hits and Carter begins to walk off, Jarvis tells her the truth about Anna, and the two of them share an emotional moment, because despite it all, they do love each other and care deeply for their friendship with one another. It's just, it's hard to lose sometimes. When Manfredi's men arrive, they pull a version of Get Help, and Carter and Jarvis head to the city. Masters and Thompson talk about fixing the cannon and destroying Frost to get order back out there. Sousa falls in line, knowing that Frost is too dangerous to be out there. Samberly offers his words, and once again, everybody does not like it. <laughs> Masters falls for it, and Thompson lets them out of lockout. Uh, I didn't put this in the notes, but I will say, I mentioned it earlier about how he punches Sousa, and the way that whole scene ends is he goes, why'd you have to punch me? He goes, I had to sell it. Which just, again, Thompson just finding any reason to just, uh, you know? Even in the moment where he does I, something good, you're like, oh, come on, bud. Yeah. You didn't find that, like, sweet? I found that very sweet. I didn't, no. Because, again, he's like, do you trust me? And he's like, not at all. And so I feel like the punch was to be like, hey, you didn't trust me. Oh, I don't think it was punitive. I think it was just, I think he, I mean, hey, listen, I don't want to get into it. I didn't read it as punitive. Uh, I read it as selling it. I don't think that he did. I wouldn't say he didn't enjoy it. But that's probably what it is. Because I sort of to me big it felt like sort he of liked way. it. I was like, you no no no. You you enjoyed I, hitting your friend too much. The the only sadism what that I that I that I felt was like a big brother level of like I pick on you because I pick on you. Here's a host gen. Would you punch me to sell it? I mean, are guns pointed at us? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, Without a doubt. Okay. Interesting. I just feel like I could. You want to get shot instead? No. Which would you which would you like? Uh, a punch or or a bullet? Mm, neither. It's a actually. moot question because I got Smith and Wesson right here. Those are my. I'm naming my fists after. I a see. Gun. You're going for guns. See, I've got gamma and cannon, baby. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's the the very long quote unquote clip. Again, people go, yeah. "Is this really a clip?" And it's like, "Well, yeah, it's not the full episode, so right. it's a piece of the puzzle." So, yeah. James, what do you think? Yeah. I did. I also uh, noted, uh, she says, Mr. Jarvis, you all right? And he says, I'm fine. And uh, there's a certain uh, curse word that I don't tend to use, but I wanted to use it here. I didn't. But she, but I, on her face, she, she, it says like, damn, okay, you don't seem fine, but whatever. Like he, she looks like, okay, so we're just going to pretend that you said I'm fine in a convincing way. Because you didn't. You you have murder behind your eyes. I think we've all been in a relationship at some point with someone who says, I'm fine, but uh -huh. definitely don't mean it. Yeah, uh, for I'm sure. not saying that that's been every person that I've dated, but it has been every person well, sure. that I've dated. Uh, uh, they've all been exceptionally which, good at it. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, uh, Vendetta Jarvis is very scary. It's one of the most chilling oh, performances on this television yeah. program. Uh, the whole series, like... <laughs> Uh, we get a do as Peggy says callback, which is awesome. Um, and it means that Jack has learned, uh, and Sousa has learned, you know, the, the, the heuristic of do as Peggy said, Peggy says, uh, a couple of science notes. And I, you know, if listener, if I'm wrong, uh, please let me know. I don't think the breeze is going to affect gamma rays at all, but I could be wrong. Uh, they're particles. I'm not sure. I think they're smaller than 
wind, but uh, that's a that's a that's a maybe. A definite is you certainly wouldn't see the gamma ray. Now I'm not saying they shouldn't have shown it as a cool laser beam. That's awesome. That's fine. It's a sci-fi show. I just want to point out that hilariously, you would hit the button and nothing would happen, and you'd hope that you were hitting the rift. <laughs> right. I think that that is simply just a matter of it's TV. Yeah. If we hit, if you sure. did that, everyone would go, "What? How? Yeah." What? Like if you installed a red light, the red light would turn on, but only right. if you put it in there. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I got I, when I first watched this, I thought that Wilkes was going to uh, turn into the leader because of his head being all like enlarged. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to continue and like you know, get, there's a gamma factor right. in there and stuff. Um, they that you know, spoiler. I don't think it's necessarily a spoiler. That doesn't the leader does not has not shown up in. Uh, MCU, right? Not yet. Right. Right. Uh, all caps, he fucking shoots without hesitation. I don't think I've seen a more brutal uh, gunshot wound in any, like, Scorsese, like, Tarantino. He just walks up and he's just like, bam, bam. Like, cold blood. Like, it's like in cold blood. Yeah. It is rough. Um I mean, it's exactly like you said, like the the thing about like him kind of like his vendetta kind of thing. When yeah. Jarvis basically turns off every filter. Yeah. You know, essentially, and is just sort yeah. of like, what if he is a man that has literally nothing left to lose? Yeah. Which is interesting because he does still have Anna to lose. Right. You right. know, uh, but like what I think is, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's such an interesting uh for lack of a better term, mission for him. And like, it's, it's scary to some extent too, because it's kind of like, we've talked about this before, but he fought in the war, mm-hmm. you know? And so there is a little bit of that, like perhaps the home life and being in love and stuff like that has sort of mellowed him and turned him into what we see. And perhaps this is kind of what Jarvis of old was like, you know? Well, I mean, he's also like, always itching to be as Peggy points out in this episode, like you're itching to come on with me, come with me on my adventures. Right. Uh, it reminds me of in Sherlock, uh, which I know you haven't watched, but in the first episode of Sherlock, I, I uh, Martin it. Freeman. Oh, one time I brought up Sherlock and you're like, I don't know. Um, I don't think I've seen every episode of it, but I've definitely seen the first two seasons. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I don't know so at the beginning that, but... in the first, uh, Oh, there's, there's uh, like four and a couple movies. Um, in the first episode, which uh, listener, if you haven't watched Sherlock, it's movie. Every episode's movie length. It's it's if you like it, it's fantastic. Um, uh, John Watson has been in, oh, in been in Afghanistan and has sustained a war injury and stuff. And one of the ways that Sherlock sort of recruits him is basically being like, "There's go- this is going to be incredibly dangerous." Do you want to come? And he's like, absolutely. Like, it's like that thirst for, da- it's like a danger dopamine craving. Like, you, you, adrenaline craving, I guess, is what, is what it, um, da- <laughs> adrenaline is what we call danger dopamine around my house. <laughs> it's also very funny when you consider that that's also Smaug and, uh, Bilbo. And right. he has, and he, he wants to go on an adventure. Tempts him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then I get into the musical a little bit. Yep. Uh, I have an overarching question that I'll, I'll say for the end. Uh, I got big Mary Poppins vibes from uh, uh, Peggy. 
uh, I wrote, she didn't say this, but this is how Mary Poppins would have portrayed this character. Uh, I don't want to be dancing. How silly. But if I must, I'll do it perfectly. I naturally know all the steps. <laughs> well, because it's a dream. Yeah, it's the it's the the step in time part of Mary Poppins. If you are a Mary Poppins yeah. uh, person, uh, she's like, "This is ridiculous." Anyways, I'm the best here. <laughs> oh, what's uh, this? Oh, just something I yeah, I just know. Oh yeah, I just know oh changing the game. Yeah, that's just me. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, there's big grease uh, beauty school dropout vibes in this too because mm-hmm. in addition to Angie and Wilkes and Sousa and Dottie, uh, can I Whitney Frost? Guess? Yep. Okay. Is every girl that is up on the step section is that someone from the hotel? No. Oh, okay. Uh, Interesting. But oh, I don't actually. I don't know. I don't think so because I have trivia about who was in it. It could be. I'm sure. Possibly. But uh, for sure, Whitney Frost and Anna Jarvis and uh, Dottie and the the trio at the end that Mm -hmm. ends with. one of them doing the splits, I believe is Dottie, Anna, and Whitney. I know it's Whitney and Anna. I don't know who the third one is. I think it's Dottie. Um, I don't know if uh, 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 Violet is there. I didn't I didn't look I didn't for her. I didn't see her. Anna does the splits, and that's all I could see. I was like, holy crap. Like, you wouldn't do like a, a, a body double. It's not necessary to do a body double because... Right. You know, just don't do it then. But uh, so that means that that that, that actress actually did the splits, and I right. think that's really impressive. Um, Which is interesting because I w- I think that of all of the ones to do it, I feel like Dottie would be the person that would make the most amount of sense. Right. Exactly. As the person exactly. that does like the Black Widow esque stuff and does the type of moves that she does, you imagine that she's this is gonna sound so weird, but like flexible enough to do that. Sure. Sure. She's so like yeah, she's live. Have, yeah. Right. Then to have Anna be like. Oh, besides doing a Hungarian feast, yeah, I can also do this real quick. Okay, just real quick dip into English class. Anna's the one that's being split between Jarvis's two lives. Mm. And we're back outside Grad of English class. Grad school is um, already hitting you, huh? Dude, I was writing this Newsies thing just now, and I was like, oh, it really is a muscle memory thing. I guess I'll just put that. That is a cute way of writing. You'll notice, actually, my notes, you're going to notice when I started grad school. Interesting. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, stuff about the dance sequence. It was choreographed by Louis Van Amstel from Dancing with the Stars. Uh, he brought in the following featured dancers from the show, Dimitri Chaplin, Damian Whitewood, Sasha Farber, Anna Trevinskaya and Karina Smirnoff. Uh, the musical number was uh, "What You're Gonna Do" was uh, had music by Christopher Lennertz, who does the music for the show, and lyrics by David Zippel. We're gonna get to them in the Avengers Ensemble because I did include the choreographer, the music and lyricist because this is you had to. I mean, like, right? Yeah, yeah of course. Um, it's the only one in the show. Exactly. Uh, Zippel, though, uh, I have apparently had the opportunity to talk about him before because he also wrote the lyrics for Star Spangled Man. Oh, uh, cool. In Captain America, yeah. I thought uh, his name al- sounded familiar for some reason. Yeah. Uh, and then here's a fun bit of trivia. Although they had never worked together before, Leonard's and Zippel went to the same high school. So that's weird. I don't know. Same time? It doesn't say when. Yeah, that's, hmm. that's I think, the big, I think that's the big fact. They went to the same high school, 25 years apart. Um, 
And then uh, other dancers, Robert Roldan, Malene Ostergaard, and Sergei Onik uh, were So You Think You Can Dance uh, people also. So th- this was basically like a collab between Dancing with the Stars and So You Think You Can Dance, which I think is very funny to have a full musical number, but also some actors in there too. So it's like the Dancing with the Stars people are like, we got this. We got the training celebrities to dance believably. Let's 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 do this. I do wonder though how many of them like were people who were like I can do this though like I did yeah. the, like cuz I'm I'm sure a lot of them were theater majors like in mm-hmm. college and yeah. you know, did stuff in high school and are like, "Oh, I was like the dance guy in high school." You yeah. Know? I mean like Absolutely. Sousa Sousa was pretty smooth with it. I felt like, Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Uh yeah, it's it's funny to think about all these people as being theater kids because it absolutely holds up 100%. Like, I mean, Jack Thompson, <laughs> although not, you know. Oh, yeah. Chad Michael like, Murray gives huge theater fun. Which is so funny because, like, in this show, he does not. Other than no. when he was like, Rita Hayworth. I mean, ooh, Yeah, you know? exactly. Other than that, you know, he doesn't. You know what I mean? But, like, yeah. yes, Chad Michael Murray for sure. You're like, oh, you know he was like. He was in Guys and Dolls for sure in high school. Sure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And speaking of Thompson acting, oof, that transition. Um, yeah. My next note was yeah. uh, it's hard to remember that Thompson is actually or- orchestrating something for the good of the group. Mm-hmm. Like you said, when he does, when he punches him, we're in the midst of like, wait, did he just betray them or is he... Is this the bit? What is happening here? Like, was the plan this and now it's falling apart or was the plan look like this and then it's falling apart but we right. knew that it was going like and obviously it's the latter but it's a it, he sells it well and i think that that's really good uh the carter and jarvis fight slash meltdown is among the best acting on this on this whole series it's just oh i definitely agree yeah it's just it's heartbreaking and like i just feel like all the like the rage and the and the like hopelessness that Jarvis is feeling and like all of the stuff that Peggy has swallowed down also like you were the one person I thought that I could right not have it's, to worry about doing this it's stuff some to of me. the most like uh what's the word for it like it's some of the best line writing mm-hmm. I think of this entire series as well and this is one of those things where to me this kind of meltdown and fight right yeah is I think something that had to have been written only because they knew they weren't getting another season. Right. 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 And I, what I mean by that is, is this is the kind of fight that happens near the end. You know what I mean? When you yeah. know that you're not going to have these characters anymore because you can't have a fight like that with all that level of frustration and then never have something like that come up again. Right. Or again, or bring it up again in like two or three more seasons. Cause then it's kind of like, eh, we've done this before. Right. Like, right. So this is something where it's, it has to be, this is your last chance to A, have something truly emotional, but also B, to move past it. The lines in general, like I'm not going to go through all of them, but like specifically like the way they go back and forth, kind of knowing that they're going for some of the more cutting stuff. Although Carter does end up kind of keeping it together a little bit more, like mm-hmm. near the end when he really goes for the jugular. Um when he says, you know, you know, that everyone around her dies, you right. know, the way she changes after that yeah. conversation. Yeah. And the way, oh, the way she reads him 
I mean, I know you've you've recently uh, joked around about the, you know, uh, the phrase reading for filth uh, yes. with me. So like she does, though, read him for filth in this moment right. when she's like, you know, think about this. Right. Like, you know, you get to go on these things that these adventures, as you call them, because they're larks for you. You know, like the the danger is never fully there for for uh, for Jarvis. Right. Up until right. recently when his wife went on the line. But like right. she's like, you know, you get to go home to another man's mansion and just sort of like, you know, put on your radio shows and turn on you know, and just be like live in your uh it's not feigned, what is it? In your uh, like like basically like self-created uh um ignorance. Like complacency. Basically. Yeah, like he gets okay. to yeah, yeah. you know, he gets Delusion. to sort of Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets to just like his his ignorance is like something that like it's not like because he just never heard of these things or whatever. It's like he gets to separate his the the, the two parts of his life fully. It's but, a privilege thing. Oh, for yeah. sure. But like for her, it's like it's always there. You know, yeah. and she's like, you know, oh, but you know, God mm. forbid. You're like, but yes, so so fortunate that you know that you will never feel loss. Yeah. And it's like, ooh. I mean yeah. like the way Which... that, that line hits. Yeah. And then of course that's why he yeah. stops. He stops being cruel because like he sees i think finally how much that stuff has hit her especially after he he kind of knows it going into it because he's like you know what he says it and then immediately is like i didn't mean to say that that was that was too far yeah and he did mean to say it's just that he regretted it immediately because he knew that it was too much but like the way she doesn't say anything like, you know, well, like that's what happens when you put yourself out there. These are the sacrifices or whatever. The way she instead, you know, consoles him because they are friends, you know? Yeah. Uh, It is, it's a powerfully, I don't know why word or said the word in such a weird way, but it is a powerfully crafted scene from writing to execution. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, I have just one final note, and then all I have is Avengers Ensemble. Uh, Samberly's contribution, after everything is resolved, is, Thank you, sir. We won't let you down. And then I wrote, Punches the air in the least cool way you can do that action. He goes like, Listen, you can't see this. This is just for basically Colin's benefit. He goes like, Huh. Like, you can't. It's such a masterfully, physically perfect uncool way of of like yeah and it's i wrote and then i wrote samberly rules he i'm gonna write samberly rules i think in every single notes from here on out uh i think i have written them in the in the episodes we're going to be recording like yeah samberly is actually a great character and like again it is a thing where like there are times where even i'm like okay samberly calm it down or back off or whatever, right? Like there are times where I'm like, okay, like I said earlier, where it's like, you are right, but there's better ways of saying this or doing this, right? But like right. in many situations, he actually is just right. And people let their former interactions or whatever, or again, because he is like the nerd, as much as they're like, no, right. we're good people. They kind of just judge him for being that nerd. And they're like, you know, yeah. but th- well, in it's... that moment, for sure, it is like, it's painful. It's like, yeah. We've all known someone like that in high school that was like actually genuinely that and like not yeah. them trying to do like a comedic bit, like 
couldn't do an actual high five. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, I did also want to say that, uh, uh, I did say something when you were, when you were talking about it, but, uh, I don't fault Sam. I, you know, maybe bedside manner is never his thing, but like, uh, yes, maybe I don't know is scientifically correct. And there's next KCD comic that I would, uh, if I think of it, I will, uh, post on the, on as a response to this episode posting because it's so funny to see to see how frustrating it is when you talk to it's like you know all right man you're talking to like a computer you know a cyber crimes person or or uh in my chemistry major people that got into chemistry to do forensics and then learned what went into doing forensics and how it wasn't CSI and then dropped like science is overall fairly boring mm-hmm. Uh, unless you, you know, unless you don't make, unless you don't let it be boring, but like day to day, I don't know. Uh, yes, maybe I don't know is, uh, actually a fairly optimistic response. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's all I have other than Avengers ensemble. Um, um so back to you. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I don't have much. Um, but other than, other than like these scenes and stuff like that, I will say, um, there is something very fun about that final scene, though, right? That we were talking about with where Masters comes in and he's like, you know, mm. you know, Vega, you, you know, why are these people here? Like very pointedly, like without physically saying it, being like, you were supposed to murder these. Well, he says, why are they not buried in the desert? I mean, oh, that's right. That's I guess pretty... he does say that. For some reason, I thought I thought he got he gets cut off. But you're right. I do remember that now. Yeah, See, I thought he was going to do that too. Have, have my dialogue? No, but I'm trying to get better. <laughs> at cutting those things it's up to you you'll notice it's up i to you. only put in i only put in one quote entirely now i'm not going to count the lyrics because that's different okay um <laughs> oh no i'm so sorry i did do too i'm so sorry you're right uh the thing about from samberly and then also the come on peggy black and white right but yeah. like you know it's like the way he's kind of like uh, and then thompson kind of starts pulling this like Okay, here's here's what you were talking about earlier, right? Where you're like, is this the the thing, like the plan, or is this quote unquote the plan, but now it's falling apart, or is it like we're letting it fall apart because that's right. actually the plan? In both that scene and this scene, as much as you're like, no, this is the plan, they're pretending it's falling apart. When Thompson is in that room, it is fun to see that there are parties not included in that room that they are all turning against, but really. It is one versus one versus two because Thompson Thompson is doing that thing where we've talked about it before, right? Jarvis warns him that he is beyond his depth. uh, The waters are filled with sharks. Thompson is trying to play all sides in this moment. Um, And I'm not saying that I think that he is someone who would then fall in line with Frost if things broke bad. But I think that he is trying to come out on top. I think that if Frost ends up sure. winning, I think he'll go down with the ship. You know what I mean? Just going, right. well, I did my best. I, I tried what I thought would work kind of thing. Like, and so, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. But I think that, like, he is not exactly playing with Sousa and Samberly here fully. Yeah. Like, I would say he's yeah. leaning more towards their side, but he is still playing them a little bit and also playing Vern Masters. And, like, yeah. It's interesting to also see Vernon Masters be like, I'm trying to play all three of them at the same time. Yeah. But also, like, they're right. I do need Frost out of the way. Yeah. Because of the conversation he had with um, 
Jones, Hugh Jones from Roxxon. Yeah. Where he's like, and there's no pushback on that. And he's like, she is calling the shots. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like, trust me, once you see what's going on, you'll know exactly why. Right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, she's too dangerous. And like, yeah. Sousa kind of playing the cards too. Like, Sousa would never actually work with Vernon Masters, but he's like, right. But in this moment, like, Vernon Masters is a danger, but like, he's one that I can handle. Yeah. You know, with or without Frost being out in the wild, but like Frost being right. out in the wild is dangerous. The For same sure. way they Absolutely. all kind of feel about Dottie in a previous scene. When right. when, when oh, Wilkes is like but Wilkes, yeah. Right. When Wilkes is like, oh, hello, uh, me. And then she's like, Dottie's out there, it's dangerous. And he's like, Rah, you know, so that it's kind of that, yeah. right? So it's kind of yeah. a f- cool and interesting little like like mirror or like parallel, I guess is the mm-hmm. correct term for that. There's an interesting parallel yeah. happened here. Um, for sure. But uh, I don't know. I just wanted to comment on that scene because like, this is Thompson yeah. leaning further in and like Thompson is, if we, if you thought Thompson was playing with fire earlier, Thompson yeah. is effectively running through a uh, oil refinery with lit sparklers. I think it's fun because it's fun to think of this as they know the show is not coming back for a third season. Mm-hmm. I think it's also fun to think of, and and you'll see that I think it's fun in future notes to think of them not knowing yet. And like they're leaving Thompson literally with like, uh, he's in a four way intersection. Like he could go good. He could go his own way. He could, you know, go like, a new bat like there's he mm-hmm. being like I'm with you on this, but I'm still a little slippery sort of deal leaves them open for anything to happen. And I think that that's really, really cool and fun. They definitely, I will say they definitely leave some doors open. Yeah. And some doors you open and you wish that you hadn't. Mm-hmm. So should we get into Avengers ensemble? <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Avengers Ensemble. Uh, there's nothing really in the end of episode eight uh, that needs to be AE'd. <laughs> cool. That make that a thing. Um, so let's uh, talk about uh, season two, episode nine, A Little Song and Dance, which, as you pointed out, excellent title. Fantastic excellent title. title. Yeah. Um, rivals Smoke and Mirrors for most apt for all of the storylines uh title uh it aired on february 23rd 2016 it was directed by jennifer getzinger uh, who we haven't seen before uh she directed two episodes of westworld swear to god listener and and colin it changes it to westward and it throws me for a moment every single time uh she directed three episodes of jessica jones four episodes of outlander one episode of daredevil one episode of the man in the high castle she also directed episode 10 of Agent Carter, so we're going to see her work, you know, coming up, and then ten episodes of Mad Men, wow. uh, which I would posit is one of the most comic booky, uh, realistic fiction shows out there. Like, hmm. everyone sort of, I don't know, Don Draper, sort of that double. Anyways, um, my my thesis is that in this paper I will. Uh, it was written by Chris Dingus and. He wrote the teleplay, and Michelle Fazekas and Tara Butters wrote the story. We've seen them all before. Uh, Michelle and Tara are writing partners. They basically, 
it's a mirror of their uh of their work they it's wrote stuff in season one amira um mira sorvino um because she was amira uh i'm lost uh we saw them in i think we saw all three of them in season one so that nothing has happened in the in the you know month since we last right since we talked about it right uh the choreography um was done by louis van amstel uh who did the choreography for nine episodes of so you think you can dance two episodes of dancing with the stars uh past james i did remember what those abbreviations were so uh, that's just a message to the past because I was worried. Uh, and he did the choreography for one episode of The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. So, huh? You know. Keeping it yeah. Disney. Keeping it Disney. Uh, the music for the musical number and the composer for the show is Christopher Leonard's. Uh, he has also composed for and, and you know lots and lots of things, but some of the the standouts: uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Marvel One Shot Item Forty Seven, which we haven't gotten to yet. Uh, Marvel one-shot Agent Carter, which we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pitch Perfect 3, which is hilarious, given That's what Pitch Perfect 3 is. Uh, the War with Grandpa and The Boys. I've mentioned The War with Grandpa for all the Mimbinos out there. Um, because they did a whole episode he, about they that did. movie. So he did the music for that movie that they talked about. Uh, that's David. That's so weird. Okay. <laughs> I mean, someone has to do it. I get it. Right. But like, still, it's just such a weird jump i feel like yeah for sure all right and the and closing credits on item 47 and okay all right let's work on the next one and so here's where grandpa Grandpa shits his pants you know it's like you're like what you know i don't think it quite happens like that but still yeah uh exactly it feels Uh, like it yeah um uh lyrics by david zippel i only wrote uh three and one of them is this I'm not sure if that's because those were the only things I recognized or if these are the only things or like that he did. I don't think they're the only things he did because obviously he did. Um, it's probably since we last spoke about him, right? No, because uh, oh, let me you tell you what he, so uh, Hercules. Yeah, I didn't talk about him back in uh, Captain America with Mark. Um, oh, we talked about um, that. His name is escaping me is actually really, imp- really upsetting. Alan, oh, same. Alan Menken. Naked. Um, we talked about him. We didn't talk. I think Mark probably mentioned David Zippel and was rolled over by the Menken train. Um, the Menken train is what he calls his fans. <laughs> James. All right. Um, he also did the lyrics for Hercules and Mulan. Um, I mentioned those because we had just watched uh, Mulan uh, like the previous night or something. And uh, my daughter correctly uh, came to the realization about how amazing a song I'll Make a Man Out of You uh, truly is. It's uh, one it's of a great song. Yeah. And he wrote it. The guy that wrote the lyrics for this wrote mm-hmm. those. And I think that that's, uh, that's fun. Uh, now let's get into some actors. Uh, agent Blackwell, um, who is an agent, and I don't remember where he is. Um, I did try and go back and find him, but I couldn't. Um, he's he must in, be the guy that's with Vega, right? Because they never name him. Uh, the guy that with that's with Vega is a man, Freddie Goon, named Paul. Oh, it is. Oh, that's really weird. Because I know, thought it was Vernon Masters. I may have. Um, I put not Vega with Paul. I wonder if I meant to put it with Agent Blackwell. 
I bet I, I bet I did. I bet I, I I meant to put this parentheses up here and then just didn't. All right. So this guy's name is I don't know why I'm changing my notes. No, it doesn't matter. No. His name is Russell Edge, which I think is a very cool name. That is a very cool um, name. That's a it's wrestling no, name. Uh, it's no um, Lex Shrapnel, like Shrapnel, but like it's it's pretty good. Lex Shrapnel and Russell Edge is the team up I want to see of assholes, <laughs> like asshole characters. Um, he was in. He is in an upcoming music bowling for soup video. He is an upcoming. He is in an upcoming bowling for soup music video uh, for the song "Party Goers" in twenty twenty three. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, he plays a a party goer in something called Captain Black, which I literally have no idea what that is, but I thought it was funny that he also he has played a party goer. Party goer everywhere. Yeah. Uh, he was in two episodes of Castle. He was in the movie Changeling, which I uh, think is was I just hit my mic a little. I think Changeling was weirdly not promoted correctly. They're like Angelina Jolie's uh, messed up about her kid not being the same kid. Isn't she crazy? Instead of like, what the? It's sort of a don't tell mom the babysitter's dead, but for 1920. Right. Um, sure. He was in that. He was in one episode of Charmed and one episode of West Wing. Uh. The poor truck driver that gets, uh, he gets got, uh, is played by a guy named Lon Gowan, which is for sure a made up name. He was in the, uh, movie Us. He played Don. Um, I don't remember which white person he is in that movie. Um, but there's only like a a handful. So I don't, you know, there's very few. Good movie though. Um, uh, he was uh, he did s- sketch comedy with Conan O'Brien on two of Conan O'Brien's shows, I believe Conan and The Late Show. Whoa, where, where he did so he's you know guy in audience who does funny things sort of deal. Uh, and uh, let's see, uh, let's scroll over here. He was in one episode of The Mentalist. Oh, sick! They brought it back. He wasn't on my list. He wasn't on my mental list. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Um, I hadn't called that. it that up until now, Start but now I am. That. Yeah, yeah, uh, but he is not. So when, so, you, when you're viewing the content later, you'll yeah. see which content was created before this episode versus right. what was created after. Right. Uh, Ralph, who is a Manfredi goon, is uh, an actor with the amazing name, and I really hope uh, that it is his actual name, Bert Rotundo. Um, <laughs> That's a good name. Uh, he was in one episode of Silicon Valley and two episodes of Oz. Uh, and then Paul, the man Freddie Goon, who stays with Carter, uh, is mostly a stunt guy. He uh, was David Boreanaz's stunt double on Bones for 39 episodes. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> he was Bonnie Con- Bobby Cannavale's uh, stuntman in Ant-Man. Uh, he, w- he did stunts for an episode of The Mentalist. Um, he Man, acted bless. in one episode of The Orville, uh, one episode of New Girl, one episode of Revolution, one episode of No Ordinary Family, one episode of Ghost Whisperer, and <laughs> and he played Dracula in the short film Red Riding Hood meets Frankenstein. So, <laughs> okay, well, hey, that, that tells you something about that movie. Exactly, exactly. It sucks. It's a vampire joke. Um, and that's it. That's all my Avengers ensemble. Perfect. Uh, well, so I, shall I take us out west, or yeah, I was just about to say I don't have anything else. So why don't we go ahead and head out west? All right, let's let's load up into the moving van and head out west. Um, hope no one gets fucking shot. Uh, we I'm are my way out of here. 
Real quick. Now, uh, hold on one second. Hold on. Do you find it frustrating that she just busts out a new gadget and is just like, this is this thing, done. I find it equal parts frustrating and super cool that it's like, I have things you aren't even going to see that I don't have to use. Like, I mean, I think it's that thick to me. It, it didn't bother me because this was like a, we've now been dealing with Samberly enough where it feels like <laughs> now we have his trust that he's actually giving us things and like actually, yeah. you know, you know, giving yeah. us multiple things. Like we, we don't walk through every one of them and telegraph every move. Sure. Um, and that is what I'm complaining about, and that is on me that I mm-hmm. that they aren't queuing this uh, these gadgets enough. Like, okay, Bond, here's the next thing you're going to use. Uh, I do like Samberly making her call it the hot wire. Um, like, if you're going to use this, you have mm-hmm. to promise me that you're going to call it the hot wire. Right. Uh, and she does because she's a, a woman of her word. Oh, um, Stark could have also invented this one. Now that I think about it. Because they've been dealing with Stark, and Stark is the kind of person that's like, it has a name, and it's very specific, and you're going to yeah. use it. It it also, you I get the impression that it was uh, one of those like, oh, crud, I miswired this. Th- hey, wait a minute. We could use this as a mm-hmm. sort of thing, which feels more Starky than Samber Lee. Yeah. Um, Richard Starkey. All right. So that's Ringo's f- real name. Um, yeah. So... I would like to do Patreon if that's cool. Yeah, go for it. All right. We have a Patreon for the Scavengers Network and it is at patreon.com slash the Scavengers Network. For $2 a month or more, you can get access to all kinds of bonus content, audio, visual, audio, visual. We don't do silent films, although. Uh, we could do, uh, there's text-based stuff. Uh, there are like full episodes of things that aren't, like bonus episodes they're just full episodes of shows um there's like you know random role-playing games that colin and jordan reed do or have done or did Mm -hmm. time is weird um it's an ever-flowing cornucopia of bonus content and uh you actually owe it to yourself to pay at least two dollars a month for the patreon to get access to it because it's like a whole other area of the network that you should be exploring because it is great so that is patreon.com slash the scavengers network um and that's gonna do it for this episode so uh as always i am james anderson i'm colin parker all right let me line up the shot and excelsior Excelsior, maybe. No, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, is it gonna is is he gonna say Excelsior? Yes, maybe. I don't know. Excelsior. No, it worked. Oh, <laughs> all right. I'm gonna hit stop. I'm also gonna hit stop. <laughs>